What up, what up, world? I know it's been a while, but welcome back to Hosted by Decent with me, your host, Decent. And my guest at this time has spent a large majority of his career behind the scenes putting together the major deals and situations of that matter. But now he's upgrading. He's becoming the label head now. So that means if he can't get you in court, he'll hold you over a balcony to make sure that he gets everything from you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for James McMillan. Woo! I said, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for James McMillan. Woo! Jesus, worst studio audience ever. <laughs> James, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed, man. Good to see you, decent. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Now, this is one of the more interesting interviews that I'm having because normally I'm dealing with people who are in front of the camera, you okay. know, the artists and the stars. But this one kind of struck me, and this is something that I feel like I need to bring to Hosted by Decent because I'm infatuated with the behind-the-scenes aspect of the music industry. I've been in the music industry for pretty much all of my life. Okay. And... I know we've been conditioned to always look at what's in front of the camera, what's being presented, but right. we never get to see how things get put together. So thank you for stopping by and you know giving us your journey and the behind the scenes look at how everything runs in the industry. And speaking of behind the scenes, why don't you give us a little bit of who you are as a person, man, you know, businessman, all that stuff, black man, you know, man in general, if you subscribe to that. I absolutely subscribe to that. All so right. I'm a black man from Cleveland, Ohio. Right, right. Uh, born and raised. I uh, moved to New York. I went to Hampton University, graduated in 1991. And uh, and then from there, I went to uh, to law school. And I was, on, I was, went to law school in 92. And... Ended up flunking out of law school the very first time I went, right? So I went to law school, flunked out, and had to sit out for two years. Now, I flunked out in large part because I was really immature. Um, uh, but th that actually made me a lot sharper mm -hmm. because during that two-year time period that I was out, I became hyper-focused on what I really wanted to do. First of all, I, I, I went through a lull where I felt like I was um, a failure in life because I'd never failed at anything. Right. And, you know, to be kicked out of law school... Um, you know, with my peers um, and see my, my peers matriculate was really like, you know, I think it was a pivotal moment for me. It, uh, it helped me um, gain perspective. And, that, and I, I channeled that perspective to really find what I really wanted to do. So at the time, I knew I always loved music and I, I think I loved it more than the average person. Mm -hmm. I'm out of, you know, a crazy CD collection and I worked at a record store and you know, I, I just knew a lot of musical history in large part because of my grandparents. Um, they were musicians, and they kind of raised us in a, um, in a musical family. Oh, awesome! Um, but nonetheless, I used that to ch that 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 uh, experience to channel um, what what I really wanted to do, and that was twofold: one, to be, become a lawyer, and and two, I had this dream of you know being impactful in music. I didn't know how or what I was going to do because I wasn't really familiar with you know, label executives and what they do mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but, you know, so I just focused on becoming, getting back into law school. And once I got back into law school, I focused on becoming a, gr a great lawyer. And I got caught up in that for a while. And then the opportunity presented, presented itself for me to work at a, 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 a entertainment firm, a law firm in New York City. So I did that for a while for uh, Reggie Osei and, and Ed Woods. And... Um, and working for those guys, I learned that they just, you know, at the time that I started working for them, they represented some any and everybody in, in hip hop. And they were like the first like black firm to do, you know, fo to totally focus on hip hop music. Awesome. So that we, you know, we represented DMX, 
represented uh, Shine. What else? Matt Middleton represented both of them, but he was in the office with us too. Represented I'm pretty Kep- sure you guys were extremely busy around that time. Oh too, yeah, most Because definitely. if you're representing DMX and Shine, I would imagine. Yeah, it was it was issues. Yeah, yeah we we but, dealt with a lot, man. It was a lot. You know, you got you got you know brothers c- coming from all kinds of different backgrounds, but then they're being culturally celebrated right. for their art at a time at a pivotal time in the industry when. You know, it, it was like highly commercialized, so they were making millions and millions of dollars, and it was you know it was different from some of their their peers in in the past, the people that had come before them. Right. So, um, so it was a unique time, and um, and I learned a lot through that experience, and that actually um, gave me the platform to do what I'm doing now. Awesome, awesome. So, you've listed how you've gotten into the aspect of wanting to be behind the scenes with music, and not necessarily, you know figuring out how you wanted to be, but eventually landing in the position that you're in right now. Um, One of the things that I always say when it comes to music related things is that it's not so much about the, you know, knowledge, it's about the passion. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like your passion is what took you? 100%. Because, I mean, you know, specifically as an entrepreneur in New York City, Mm -hmm. it can't be, you know, this, our business doesn't always, it's not always profitable. Right. Right. So you've got to have something that's going to drive you to continue to want to do it. You guys have something that's going to drive you to take the phone calls in the middle of the night that come with, you know, um, with being, you know, with being a a, a role player in our business. Right. So or a leader in our business. So, for instance, you know, because as a lawyer, people share their confidences with you. They share, you know, their their uh, their experiences with you and they, they tell you some of the their problems with, with you, right? And they're, they're expecting you to help figure out their problems. So what happens a lot of times is, you know, there's a, a, a typical situation would be an artist that you've made, a, you know, you've helped secure a record deal, but then they've got some kind of issue that happens within their family or to them personally that affects them, that, you, that they're looking because they trust you and you've led them to like a success in their, in their business life. They're looking to, for you to help them sort out their problems in their personal life. So someone getting arrested, someone having a landlord-tenant issue, someone having a domestic uh, a domestic dispute, whether it be uh, divorce or baby mama drama or whatever it is, that passion is going to help you be versatile. It's going to teach you to be versatile and help them help them sort through those issues and be the first person that they call, so to be their confidant. And you know that's that's how you really become powerful in this business because if you can become their like their confidant and they trust you with their issues and you can perform for them, then a lot of times they'll be your biggest advocate and will, you know, walk you in the rooms that you wouldn't ordinarily be in. Awesome, awesome. So, once again, very, very multifaceted, you know, wearing a lot of hats, you know, in the position that you're in right now. Let's talk more about the artists, you know, not necessarily the artists that you represented, but the artists as, you know, an entity. Now, mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a place with hip hop, and I also say this a lot where if you're rapping, you also need a job. (laughs) And I say that because, you know, hip-hop being, you know, the powerhouse that it is now, it opened the door for many ventures and many different opportunities. So now you have artists who are podcast hosts or personalities and, you know, on TV or they're doing these other things that are just as, if not even more lucrative than making music itself. Do you feel like in order for an artist to sustain longevity, not just when it comes to relatively but monetarily, that they need to do other things and be multifaceted? Um, I think it depends on the artist. And I think that's on a case-by-case basis. It depends on how much they can handle, and it depends on how focused they are on their on their brand. Mm-hmm. Some artists just need to focus on the music because they're so, you know, they're, you know, they're so dynamic as musicians that 
you know, trying to become, you know, an all, a brand ambassador as well as, you know, building a whole nother venture can be distracting to, to, to their art. Mm -hmm. And so they pro probably should just focus on the art. Whereas, you know, you've got, you know, your, your people that are not atypical, like um, a Puff Daddy or a Jay-Z who, you know, use their musical platform to propel them to, you know, higher success in other areas. But you, but 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 the one thing, the key, the the critical key thing that they did was they focused on the music first. Right. I feel like we get so caught up in that narrative that you know you have to be a quote unquote mobile. boss. Yeah, that yeah. you tend to look at that other, can be a distraction. Yeah, you tend to look at other things before you've honed your craft. Especially 100%. that happens a lot in our culture, in particular amongst young black people, because. We have this whole thing about where, you know, I'm going to be a boss. I'm going to own all my stuff. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do everything myself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, people never really, really build a team because they don't want to share in the, the revenue or they don't want to share the experience. And, you know, a lot of times people promote that I'm a boss and that's that's big in our culture. But at the same time. You know they've got they don't share with you that they've got a team behind them yeah. that's actually eating off of the off of the um, off of uh, the proceeds as well. Yeah. Right. So you know um, it can be misleading. Yeah, very very misleading. And also, it's just the idea that people want to be quote unquote bosses more so depending on how they can look and telling people what to do. That's just ignorance. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just ignorance because you just don't know that that that's not what. A boss is yeah yeah as a, a boss a generally bosses delegate yeah you know in large part right and then you can you can only delegate to a team that you feel is competent to handle your affairs but only a team that's competent to handle your affairs generally is gonna cost you some money you know absolutely so going back to you being from Cleveland you know for a lot of people Cleveland pretty tough you know area to grow <laughs> up in you've been there before yeah. Oh, you been to Cleveland? Yeah, I, what got part? Some, I got some fam out there in, well, not necessarily Cleveland Where? in particular, but like Ohio and Columbus. What part of Ohio? Columbus. Okay. So, Columbus is like four hour, three hours away from Cleveland. Yeah. It's like D.C. Yeah, it was like a quick like pass through <laughs> Cleveland, but nothing like, you know, extensive because, you know, yeah. it's Cleveland. You ain't been to Cleveland, man. Nah, I've been through Cleveland. Yeah, it's okay. more accurate. Right. <laughs> I've been through it. But more so having this reputation of being really, really like bootstrap, really, really like... It's yeah. a blue-collar town. Exactly. So you coming from that sort of background and then venturing into law. And mm -hmm. socially now we're in a climate where, you know, black people really have, you know, well, their struggle in regards to, you know, the law have been more documented than mm -hmm. before. So as a black man coming from an area like Cleveland, you know, having a passage that I'm getting into law, mm -hmm. do you feel like, how how imperative is it that you know not just artists you know black artists but black men in general have a take and an overall sense of what the law actually is? Meaning like meaning uh, that how is it how important is it for black men to kind of have an understanding of the law? Yeah, because with us right now, it's like a we, general understanding. Yeah, because a lot of us you know seeing as how we think of the law as this mechanism that's used against us. A lot of us right. are deterred mm -hmm. from learning how to make it work for mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. So what would be some of the advice to, you know, some of the young black men or black people in general who have this misconception about how the law doesn't work for them? I think the law, I think if you learn a little bit about the law, you'll realize that it can be used as a tool to help you advance your cause, mm -hmm. right? Just as well as it can be used as a tool to help people, um, 
um, suppress your cause, mm-hmm. right? So it behooves all of us to know a little bit, just like it you know, behooves all of us to know a little bit about you know, science and medicine, right? It behooves all of us to know a little bit about the law, right, and how to navigate it. And, and also, also always to have like a good lawyer on your team, specifically if you're going to do entertainment. Right, mm-hmm. because you you can't you know I had a I had a meeting yesterday a lunch meeting with a young brother and he was um he's a young manager who has an artist that um that that I'm I'm interested in signing and they're from DC his artist um actually is transitioning from out of a out of a out from being incarcerated and the young manager uh, was trying you know he was talking to me about navigating that situation and so the first thing that I asked him was like well who's your lawyer because at the same time that he's He's transitioning out. He is a, an artist that he, when he went in, he was an artist that was recognized. But now, because of how our culture is kind of set up, he's you know he's he's becoming more of a legend. Right. You know now that he's come, coming out and stepping out. You know coming out of, of being from being incarcerated. And the young brother was 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 telling me his ideas. And I was you know my my main thing to him was that listen, I think one of the main things you you should do immediately is find a credible entertainment lawyer. A lot of people people come out as lawyers saying that they're entertainment lawyers. And they're not. And they're not. They're like guys who handle traffic ticket cases <laughs> on a regular basis, or they do, you know, um, you know, uh, criminal law on a on a rate on a part time basis, or they're just coming out of law school and they and it looks sexy, mm-hmm. and so they want to do, you know, they want to be down with, you know, what is appeared as sexy, um, but they don't have the contacts. They don't have the know-how. They don't have the understanding. They haven't like worked for anyone who's given them that those tools to really be effective. And so, you know, my um, kind of advice to him was to help him find the right representative to even enter into a deal with me, because I don't want to be the shark who takes everything from you. Yeah. I want us to build a business, yeah. right? That has longevity. And five, ten years from now, when um, we have success as a young black man. It's imperative to me, who was also a young black man at one time, to be able to give back to you and for you to be able to go out and say, "Hey, listen, I was lucky enough to meet this brother at a, at a place when, when he was at a place in his life to pass on the information, and we've since gone on and made millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, yeah. you know, based off of my dream." Yeah, with the B, by yeah. the way, people. Exactly. <laughs> so. Going back to, you know, the idea of, you know, you being quote-unquote greedy, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you have a lot of people who want to take on multiple roles in, I want to say, a, a behind-the-scenes capacity where they're mm-hmm. lawyer, they're, you know, their manager, yeah. they're, you know, their producer, they're, you know, all these titles just for the mere sake of being able to, you know, get all of the money that comes with right. each of those titles. Why do you feel like, you know, so many of these people exist in the entertainment industry, more specifically in hip hop, because you don't see it all too much with other genres and music. I feel like hip hop is kind of the one where people tend to like pick at the bones of an you know, up and coming artist trying to be mother, father, sister, brother, so. Uh, uh, I disagree with that. Really? Yeah, 100%. Because well, I think- it, First I think, disagreement on the show. Yeah, no, I think what happens a lot of times is that you, you, you're you speaking from what you see, which is a lot of times in our culture, yeah. we, we have a window of a first hand view of, you know, what's going on in our culture. But when you look at other cultures and you read some of the case studies that happen in, in other areas of, of of entertainment, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's a similar story that happens in other areas as well. Mm-hmm. You've got people that are, you know, your Taylor Swifts go through it, just like your Britney Spears, 
and they go through the same yeah, kind I'm of I'm not stuff. saying that it doesn't exist. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it's more... Prevalent, you think? Yeah, prevalent. And I say that because off the rip, just as a culture, sure. hip-hop is just being picked at by any and everybody. So it isn't beyond so many different people to look at a young black male or a young black woman and go, you know what? They have talent. You know, I see something in them. Let me get as much out of them as they possibly can. I think that's a, that's, that's, that's in large part, um, you know, that's like a product of or byproduct of, of, of hip hop being like the number one genre. Exactly. And so that's really what that's about. I don't know if it's if it's specific to, you know, our culture, but I think that it's 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 prevalent in our culture because, you know, there's a lot of money floating around in our culture. Yeah. Um and I say that also too because even if you look at, you know, the white people that occupy the space, I don't yeah. see them like I've never heard, you know, a case of Eminem being jerked, or I'm not hearing stories about, you know. He signed a deal initially when he first when he was in Detroit, and they they settled it. Yeah. You know, they I think his team, you know. But he, you have, but you, but a case like that. Sure. But there are very few artists who like, you know, have that same luxury of being able to, you know, get out of those cases where they're right. like, there's still like, for instance, the future future and Rocco situation. Right. Where it's like when Future was just like at his apex, Rocco yeah. came from behind like, ah! I got this paperwork. Uh-uh. Yeah, don't and then forget. Future yeah. had to put out like 16 albums in two weeks in right. order to clear that up. Like, right. it's those instances that I'm talking about in particular, not saying that it doesn't happen and mm-hmm. not saying that it doesn't necessarily happen to other races, but I just feel like when you're young and, you know, you're black exclusively, mm-hmm. that tends to be you know, the status quo when you're trying to make it, at least in this climate, more than ever, because you have all these other, you know, circumstances and all these other variables thrown at you, because now you factor in streaming, Mm -hmm. and then a lot of people, they still don't know how streaming operates. So that's another kind of veil that, you know, the industry is able to kind of put on them mm-hmm. and be like, look, you know, you're getting money, but it's like sleight of hand kind well, of. Well, it goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about building your team and exactly. having an effective team. You know, you again, a lot of times we, you know, as in, you know, in our culture, you've got people who, you know, say that they can deliver, say that they're an entertainment lawyer, say that they are, you know, a manager with no experience, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times too, you know, in our culture, a lot of a lot of the guys that come up, they want to put their homeboys on, right? Right. And so when they if they come up and say, hey man, you know, well who's your manager? And they're like, well, my manager is my cousin Boo Boo, and he's got he's got an accountant, an associates in accounting, and he's gonna make you know. Um, he was manager at yeah, McDonald's, so that's kind of the same he thing. Got me, he got me in, and, and that, that happens a lot. Like, and, and, and you know, look at look at, and no no slight to these brothers because they were trying it, but look at Big Baller Brand, yeah, right. And they got jerked, but they had some brother who came in and was like, "Yo, I got it initially," and they, you know, years later, come to find out that he was, you know, I guess uh, according to them, siphoning off money, you mm-hmm. know, so. You know, it, it it happens, man, and it's it's really it behooves you and anyone in any business to do your due diligence, find adequate representation early on in your career. Mm-hmm. If there's any advice I can give, or if there's any takeaway that anyone has in this, you know, can take away from this interview, is that um, you should find the, the right, appropriate advice for where you are and what you're trying to do, and take your time in finding that person. Don't rush to go find someone just because of the situation or because, you know, um, you're cool with the person. Don't give them that opportunity to kind of misguide you. Awesome, awesome. And speaking of having all the information, did having all the information prompt you to go, you know what, start my own label? <laughs> yeah, 
It so. did. And it was always a passion of mine, too. Awesome. So yeah. talk, talk to us a little bit more about your label, um, Art of War, that okay. you just came up with and is doing phenomenal things. Thank like, you, brother. So early, yeah. you know, with the YBN Collective Corday having this critically acclaimed body of work yeah. and one of my favorite projects. He's a fantastic that artist. drops this year. Amazingly smart young man yeah. that we're looking forward to, you know, creating history with. Yeah, just him and his whole entire team. You guys mm -hmm. have been making all of the right moves and the right steps just Thank for Thank you, man. I, I want to shout out my team. You got Ace and Byron and Guns and those guys. They, they really help. Uh, Keyword team. Yeah, team. <laughs> and James Prince and uh, his team. And, and we, we've come together to really, you know, put our muscle behind these guys and, 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 and put our thoughts and experience behind these guys to help them shape up to where they are currently. Awesome. So... Art at War, the conception behind that. When was when was the moment for you when you went? You know what we're doing this. You know, no looking back. Um, I don't. I've been trying to do it. I, well, I, I, I before that, before Art at War, I started a company with Machine Gun Kelly called EST Nineteen XX. And um, by the way, huge Machine Gun Kelly fan. Oh, he's a beast. He's, I he's love really Machine talented, Gun Kelly. Super talented. Super, Lace super up talented. project. Um, even his first album, Bloom, like. <laughs> The first album was Lace Up, yeah, Bloom, all of that. Like, no, I'm talking about the Lace Up, Lace up. mixtape. Oh, you're talking about the mixtape, okay. Yeah, with right. Sherry Dennis on it, see? Right. You go back. Yeah. I love yeah. it, I love it. Yeah, so, and Cleveland native as well. Yeah, yeah, so, to, yeah he's, he's a very proud uh, product of Cleveland. Definitely, definitely. So, you was behind the scenes on that, mm -hmm. and how did that whole... How did that whole scenario play out? Because MGK, rabbit fan base, and it seems like that's another artist that seems to have a team that's working behind Yeah, well, them. we built a team. I mean, we built a team around it. I took the team that came to me and kind of, you know, really instilled my know-how and experience behind those guys to, to train them and teach them how to become um, a force within the industry. And, I, you know, we took and, and channeled his, you know, raw talent and, um, and, and commercialized it. Awesome, awesome. And then... Same with that know-how, with that knowledge, mm -hmm. you know. We rolled that into, I rolled that into, um, there's a couple things. I, I, I rolled that, the, the next experience I had was rolling that into Kodak Black. But I, but I took the experience I had as a manager mm -hmm. and as a, as, a, um, as a partner in, in the company with Machine Gun Kelly. And that artist perspective and that artist voice, and I applied that to some of the criminal experience that I had as a lawyer. And helped, uh, you know, um, Kodak Black. I, I saw, recognized him as a talent that was I felt like needed help, and 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 um, and, and I, you know, helped him get out of jail. And after that, um, I saw another young man that came came across my plate. Um, I was taking out of Dallas. Yeah. And I felt like I could help him, but it didn't quite work out. And um, from there. I was uh, introduced to YBN Namir, um, and I think I honestly do believe that if I hadn't have um, tried to help TK, mm -hmm. I may have missed the boat on YBN Namir because that opened my eyes to um, to Namir's talent and 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 that market that he had tapped into. He was he, it was a youth movement that was happening, and Namir is like the king of it. Yeah, definitely. You know, so um, that. Um, and getting into business with Namir <clears throat> um, inspired me to, you know, uh, to take the knowledge that I had and the experience that I had and help build a brand around him with YBN. 
um, he had an idea and a concept, and him and his boys had an idea and a concept, and we helped, again, uh, put a team around it and commercialize it and build it into what it is today and make it a platform for someone like the last member of YBN, YBN Corday, to uh, use and propel his talents yeah. to the world. So this seems, for all intents and purposes, this is more so the push behind everything that they're doing because with a lot of entities and a lot of, you know, label situations, it's more mm -hmm. so the label acts as a brand, you know, more than the actual brand that they're representing a lot of the times. Right. It's almost like they're trying to, like, you know, make it the feature act. Like, right. you know, it's I get us, it. yep. you know, featuring this, you know, little popping thing that we grab. Right. I think what was critical in, 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 in my experience, again, it goes back to um, me trying to make a cultural difference. Yeah. I think that was critical in the thinking that we've instilled within these young men and, and the brands that we've associated with was that we wanted to help them build their brands first, right? And build and be a partner with them on those brands. And, you know, some, and create a vehicle that they could, you know, um, a well that they could eat off from, eat from or drink from for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. right? So with the EST19XX, that was a, an idea and a concept that we came to help formalize and commercialize and build into, you know, um, uh, a, a worldwide brand. Mm -hmm. YBN, similar thing. You know, we're doing it again with, with, with other brands. There's another brand, Loyal 100, that we have with uh, with artist Juicy Fruit that we're helping her build and we're going to help them build that and make it become a worldwide platform that she can not only eat from herself but also feed her family for generations and generations to come. That's my legacy. That's what I want to do based on my experience. Um, some labels, you know, it's all about you know, just their one brand. Mm -hmm. But I think in today's society, when you've got, like, so for instance, when I came in here in this in this building, on the wall outside, there's like multiple brands, mm -hmm. right? But there's one parent brand. Mm -hmm. But that parent brand may or may not even be on that wall, right. right? Similar here to Art at War. We are helping these young men and young women uh, fulfill their dreams through, you know, trying to help them build their brands. And, and we take a piece, we're a partner in the brand, but we, we make it so that they, you know, it's something that they, if they don't have the skill set to build it themselves, if we feel that they've got the goods to be able to deliver it and sell it to the masses, then we'll get behind them and help them do that. So this is essentially like, you know, harkening back to the blueprint of other labels, what they used to do back mm -hmm. in the day, where there isn't necessarily, you know, an artist development department per se, but you guys are more hands-on than you would be you know, another major label. No, no, no. We, 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 you know, we take it extremely seriously. Yeah. It's almost micromanagement of, of the, of, of the, of the, uh, of the brand and the artists and, 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 you know, and their art. Like, you know, it's a full-time 24-7 thing. You know, I tell people, if you, if you want to work with us, if you don't, if you can't, if you, if you think this, you think this is a nine to five, you can't work with us because this is, this is a 24-7 thing. So it also harkens back to the passion mm -hmm. that we talked about at the top of the discussion. If you're not passionate about it, it's not going to make, wake you up in the middle of the night when the problems call, yeah. right? And, and you're not going to want to deal with them. And, then, and so you can't be effective. Yeah. And essentially too, with, you know, the type of position that you're in, it's more than just, you know, a label. It's more than just a title, too, because a lot of people get so fixated back to the concept of being a boss where yeah. they have these titles <clears throat> in place and not understanding that sometimes your job requires you to go above and beyond your title. Oh, 100%. So I feel like what you guys are doing is, once again, something that used to be done, but now with the advent of social media and, you know, streaming and algorithms, labels just pretty much pick 
what you know transmits on a sheet that gives you X amount of numbers. Some of them do. Some of them do right. for the most part, but you know, people are so obsessed with numbers and right. figures now that they tend to look at that as the measuring stick for how successful something is going to be. How do you condition, you know, artists who may start to buy into that mentality to think, no, like, yeah, the numbers are cool, but hone your craft, make sure your business is... Well, it's a, it's a deconstruction project. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a deconstruction that we have to do with their thinking. But to, to, at the same time, you do have to pay attention to the numbers mm -hmm. because the numbers a lot of times are going to guide the budgets yeah. and the budgets are going to dictate how far we can go at this present point with your dreams. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if you're making obscure music, and we can look at the numbers and say, hey, listen, man, nobody wants to hear you whistling Dixie, you know what I'm saying, On or right. in the mic. You need to spit some real bars or sing a real song. And, um, and you know, it, so it, 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 it hones the craft, yeah. right? And so it's a balance in, in, in short. Yeah, it seems like, you know, that's what this is. It's all about being able to take different aspects and different experience, both life experience and business experience, and being able to have them on par to create right. art at what which you have right now. Yeah. And so, we talked about your upbringing, your start, your passion. Now, we're going to play a game. Now, okay. the name of this game is called Triple Threat. Now, right. since you fastened yourself as a lawyer, mm -hmm. a manager, mm -hmm. and now head of a label, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you three scenarios. Okay. And for each scenario, I need you to tell me how you will react to the situation mm -hmm. as... A lawyer, a manager, okay, and the head of a label. All right, ready? Yep. All right. Scenario number one. Yep. Your client has a show. They're supposed to go on at nine p.m. sharp. Mm -hmm. They had a studio session that ran over, and now they're stuck in traffic. It's already eight fifty p.m. Mm -hmm. What do you do as a manager, a lawyer, and the head of a label? Um. Okay. So as a manager. I'm going to find. I'm going to try to find a way for them, for the uh, uh, promoter or the club venue, to extend the time for my artists to get to the show. Okay. And I'm going to also try to find a way to keep the crowd engaged uh, before my artist gets there, so they don't start to, you know, get too rowdy or anything like that. So if it's a hip hop show, I might have a DJ come out and play a set, right? And um, you know, just keep everybody warm while until the artist gets there. Um, and um, so that's generally how I would handle that, right? I'm gonna try and keep it, keep the show alive, mm -hmm. right? As a lawyer, I'm going to um, look at the contract and I'm gonna call my office and I'm gonna ask whoever's there or I'm gonna pull it up on my phone wherever however I do it. I'm gonna look at the agreement and see exactly, you know, at what point are we in breach, mm -hmm. right? Um, and at what point, if at all, they can withhold our back end, right? Um, as a label exec, I'm going to contact the lawyer and the manager and make sure that they're doing the, the, the two things that I just talked about to make sure that they don't destroy the brand, the artist brand, the artist brand doesn't suffer. So we can go do another gig. Oh, he's good. I'm a beast, bro. <laughs> he's good. All right. <laughs> just a warm up. Okay. Okay, scenario two. Yeah. Your client has an interview with a controversial media personality. Not me, of course. Prior to the interview, you've discussed that you can't bring up certain topics. Right. This media personality not only brings up said topic, they're also extremely rude to your client. How hmm. do you handle it as a manager, hmm. lawyer, and the head of a label? Hmm. 
as a head of a label, I'm going to contact the executive and the, 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 after the interview. I'm going to contact the people who set it up. Specifically, I'm going to have a PR, I'm going to have PR people and be like, what the fuck, right? Because I'm expecting them to kind of get ahead of that. But at the same time, I'm realistic. I know sometimes that, you know, personalities, media personalities are going to freestyle and do what they want to do, right? So Us? <clears throat> Never. No. <laughs> so so um, with that said, you know, if I have to, I'm going to contact the person myself and, and, and explain to them, express to them why that interview may never see the light of day, one. And two, why, um, you know, how disappointed I am in, 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 the, in the fact that they used my artist to try to build their own platform because right. it's a selfish move yeah. uh, to some degree, right? Um, and so that's from a label, label head perspective. As a lawyer, I'm going to try again, try to look at it to see, um, did we sign the waiver, right? Do they have the right to even put that out? If they have, if we sign the waiver prior to walking in the room, then I'm going to try and figure out a way to get out of that waiver, right? Um, if we didn't sign a waiver, then I'm going to send them a cease and desist, right? Um, as a manager, I'm going, to, I'm going to be on the ground dealing with the situation, and I'm going to try to do, do my best to keep my artist cool, Right. And let him know that it's going to be handled by the lawyer and the label head. And we just need to get out of there because I've been in situations where, you know, depending on, you know, the artist, the artist may flip out, mm -hmm. you know, and it could be a real bad situation for the interviewer. And you don't want that to happen because, you know, a lot of times the media community is small and a lot of the media um, personalities know each other. And without context, if the media personality says, well, he came in and flipped out on me and, you know, uh, punch me in the face or something crazy, then it's just like, you know, you, the, the artist may suffer from it because the story will just be the artist came and flipped out without any kind of context as to how it came about. And then you go from label head, manager, lawyer to potentially getaway driver? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Once again, multifaceted. We don't want no smoke. All right. Right. All right. Last one. Okay. This one's a doozy. You might have gone through this. You might not have gone through okay. this. Either way, it probably will happen. And if it has already, congratulations. All right, so your client calls you at 4 a.m. They sound hysterical. Mm -hmm. He tells you that they were just robbed by a stripper he met at a club and her friends. Mm -hmm. They took his money, his car, and his clothes. But he's more concerned about the photos and videos of them together that she plans on sending to the blogs and his new wife. Mm. How do you help your client out? Hmm. Um, so it's four a.m. Mm -hmm. Right? He he's what? He, he, he explain this to me again. Say so, it one more time. So it's four a.m. Yeah. He's calling you, saying, "Yo, shorty from King of Diamonds. Right. You know, hit me with the okie doke. Right. You know what I'm saying, went back to the hotel. Her, her friends, they popped up. Took my money. Took my clothes. Right. Took my car. But his pictures and videos of us together. All right. So from as a manager mm -hmm. and as a lawyer and as a label head, my first question is, are you okay? Okay. Right? And I need to secure the situation. Mm -hmm. Where is security? Right? What's going on? Where are you currently at this exact moment? Right? Tell me where you are. We're, we're, we're sending in the troops. Right? That's the first thing I'm doing um, from all three perspectives. Second thing is I'm trying to track down what he's saying. Now, from a lawyer's perspective, um, if he's at King of Diamonds, you know, I'm, I'm coordinating with the police, right? Because you're talking about a robbery, mm -hmm. right? So, from a legal perspective, I'm coordinating with the police 
to determine who these women are. So I'm going. We're going. We're going to King of Diamonds. We're checking the footage. We're 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 going in to figure out. You know, to build a case, right? To figure out who these people are and to try and help my guy, who's now a victim, uh, determine what happened to him. Um, from a manager's perspective, I'm trying to create, trying to get in front of the narrative, right? Because all you know, what it, from what you've just described, there is there's a there's some unknowns, right? There may be a video floating around that could come out and surprise and embarrass my guy and create a real family situation for him. So I need to get ahead of it and create a narrative that um, my guy can live with and is going to keep my guy, you know, pain, you know, going to, you know, basically show him as for being a victim. And um, and why was he in this situation? We've got to create a scenario that explains as a plausible scenario for his wife to understand, as a plausible scenario for the buying public to understand. And the reason I put him in that order is because without his family being intact, then he's probably not going to be as productive as he could be, right? So we need to secure the family first, right? Second, it becomes the buying public. And those those two narratives will probably be a lot of overlap because, you know, the, the one narrative will probably... Uh, suffice to cover both, but we need to all put our heads together so the manager, lawyer, and uh, label head are kind of all working together. As a label head, I'm looking at it from a business perspective, but I'm also coming in using my contacts and using my my, my juice on the street to try and track those people down and get them, you know, get those tapes or whatever it is to disappear. More of the story, if you strip out there, Playing to rob one of James' clients. It ain't happening. <laughs> it's not going down like that. Not without a fight. So, if I see you outside of Starless <laughs> and you're trying to get the drop, just know that James on speed dial like, yo, Cinnamon, <laughs> she looking kind of shady right now. Keep it pushing, boo. Keep it pushing. And besides, black men don't cheat. <laughs> awesome, Absolutely. awesome, awesome, man. So... Now that you have this new venture, now that you have this, you know, added extra skin to, you know, everything that you've been doing thus far, where do we go from here? Because already, once again, such a very, very booming start for you guys, yeah. and it can only go from up, mm -hmm. go up from here. So what's next for you guys? Oh, we're going to keep going. I mean, the, the one thing that about us is um, that we, you know, we, we use a lot of sports analogies. We are the Patriots, right? We're going to get there. We're going to keep going. And you may not like the Patriots, but they are winners. And at the end of the day, so are we. And we're going to keep going and keep building on what we have. So you're a Trump supporter? That's what I got. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm By no means necessary. But I know what you mean. Greatness. Yeah, 100%. Greatness building is still a legacy. building a legacy. Win, win, win. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about the bread. It's not about the money. It's about the win. Yeah. You know, everything else will come. You know, we, we there's Grammys in our future. There's trophies in our future. You know, we have a lot of things that we want to achieve. And we can do it. You know, by, by channeling, you know, um, our, our talent and, 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 and coaching and, and managing them to greatness. And that's, you know, I feel blessed to be in a position to be able to provide that kind of, you know, advice and, and management experience to these guys. And, um, and I feel blessed to be able to have great partners that I have, you know, like, you know, um, James Prince, um, Julian Craig, uh, Julie Greenwald, Craig Coleman. Um, in the past, John Janik as well, and not even in the past, Puff. Um, I've had some amazing mentors that have that have uh, come before me and have been gracious enough to share their experience. And it, it you know, it, it it would be it wouldn't be it, I wouldn't be doing 
my legacy justice if I didn't share that information with the people that came behind me in a meaningful way. So, you know, you ask where we're going, we're sharing these experiences and to the top, and we're going to take these young men to the top and young women to the top. Awesome, awesome. And once again, you're curating this, you know, sort of old school mentality of, you know, making the artists feel like they're the artists and being able to handle everything and also learn and grow and foster their talent. And yeah. hopefully that'll start to be the trend throughout the course of the industry because right now, more than ever, artists are taking their destiny into their own hands. Yeah, and, for better, and for better or worse, <laughs> there needs to be some sort of system imbalance to kind of help everything flesh and be fleshed out so that way the culture can keep on moving. More people like you can open the doors for, you know, up-and-coming acts and people who want to get in entertainment and who also want to own labels as well. So thank you so much, James, for man, stopping said, by. Thank you for having me, brother. This was fun. All right. You, All we do is have fun on this show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for James McMillan. Where can people find you at on social media? Uh, my my Instagram is Jimmy Nichols. My, um, I've got in our website is artatwarent.com. And um, my law office is... James E. McMillan, PC, uh, in New York City. I'm listed. I'm also online. Um, and um, and that's, I think those, that's, that's it. Boy, you guys watching, hit them up. Make sure your money's in order, though, because <laughs> no pro bonos on the side of the fence. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Hosted by Decent. Make sure you follow me on all social media at D-E-A-S-C-E-N-T. And surprise, we're a podcast now. The extended audio, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you guys tune in for all new episodes. Subscribe to the Pop Dutch YouTube channel. Click the little bell to be notified of brand new content. And we will see you soon. Peace.